Welcome to Honest Retail, the weekly podcast that dishes out the truth about the latest news, trends, and blunders from the CPG, consumer, and retail industries. Now, here are your hosts, Cameron McCarthy, Taylor Foxman, and Carlton Fowler. Hey, everybody. Welcome to this week's episode of Honest Retail. Uh, excited to be joined, as always, from CJ and Taylor. We are going to do a slightly shorter episode uh, this week. There's been some traveling and business schedules um, and kind of uh, interconnecting here. So we're going to keep this one uh, maybe like a, like half or 75% of, of what we normally do. But we wanted to get something out since listenership is continuing to grow. Uh, we had a really um, good response from our episode uh, last week with Alex, and we have a really cool uh, CPG CEO coming on next week that we're excited to share with everybody. So uh, with that, um, CJ, how are you feeling? Are you jet lagged from um, from your trip over in Ireland? Um, I think I might have COVID. Like I'm, I'm totally like walls, walls. Yeah, well, my 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 wife tested positive today. She was on a different plan than I was back, so I've been I've been just kind of kind of out of it today. Um, but uh, but yeah, Ireland was cool. Um, lots of lots of green. Played a little golf. Uh, went to a beautiful wedding. Um, yeah, it was, it was exactly what I thought it would be. And 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 then also cramming myself into a not very big um, plane seat because plane tickets are insane. Like a business class ticket out there was eight thousand dollars. So I was like, probably not worth it for four days. Um, and uh, so. Uh, you've met me in person, Cam. How well do you think I fit in a comedy seat? No one fits well in those yeah. seats. But yeah, I mean, uh, I'm surprised the carry doesn't cover uh, business class all the time. So, <laughs> so it needs to be negotiated in the, in the next fund. Yeah, yeah. Well, unfortunately, it was for, it was for pleasure. <laughs> yeah, uh, that's awesome, though. R&D, R&D. Yeah. You were looking at whiskey companies, CJ. Exactly, yeah. exactly. Taylor, I, mean, you- I didn't say I wasn't going to write it off against my personal consulting business. <laughs> Taylor, how are you doing? You know, staying afloat. I'm good. I'm good. How are you, Cam? I'm doing all right. Yeah, just uh, we uh, getting ready for Expo East here. So like Expo East last year was like barren with nobody showing up because uh, the Delta variant was like kind of raging then. So we just like uh, announced like our big Expo East party. I think we like sold out half of it already. So excited to, to move into my next stage of career, which is going to be party planning. So I'm excited huh. to see how that goes. Um, yeah. But yeah, um, I can kick us off with, with brands that kind of caught uh, our attention this week. I had a, uh, a few brands I tried. I, I'm I'm working right now off of a low calf uh, cold brew uh, concentrate that we talked about last week from Alex Explorer. Um, so I actually did try the brand uh, today. Uh, really liked it. Um, I'm not like a big coffee. Like I love the idea of drinking coffee. So like I will get like decaf espressos and and, and like uh, cappuccinos and stuff. But like I do not react well to coffee. Um, like I just get really jittery. So I liked the idea of like a low calf uh, like option, especially when it's like 90 degrees here in New York. Uh, so I made a nice coffee today. Really love that. Uh, and then like an oldie, but a goodie, like Ithaca hummus. I tried the everything bagel skew finally this week. Uh, and that was fire. That was an awesome product. Uh, Ithaca like usually is like my favorite product experience that I've ever tried. Uh, and that might be my favorite skew. So uh, kudos to Chris uh, and the team over there. 
Uh, and then my third one, again, like I tried a lot of products this week, uh, is this pasta sauce brand called Chow Papi or Chow Poppy. Uh, I got to go back and look at it. Um, you know, we're a Reos family through and through. If like I'm not making sauce myself, like we'll go pull out Reos and it's really hard like to find something that like even comes close to it. Um, so I'm excited to like try that product out. Uh, the founder was really cool. Like they're making everything kind of small batch. It's only like 50 50 ish stores, like in, in, uh, I think like the Bay area. Uh, so yeah, excited to, to try that out with what's probably gonna be like Costco ravioli next week. So I'm not even going to really give it due just with the vehicle that I'm going to be eating it with, but those are the three brands, uh, and the products that kind of caught my attention. Um, CJ, how about you? Well, I've been eating a lot of these things called potatoes because I was in Ireland, <laughs> although like it was remarkable how many different ways that like get potatoes into a meal. It's like I, I, I went to a couple of drugstores over there. Like the, the, uh, this is true in the UK too. Like the, the snacks and candy selections over there are amazing. I was all about this thing called a Yorkie bar. Um, can't wait for it to come to the States. And then like, you know, joking aside on the potatoes, they have like multiple different chips. One are just called Tato's like T-A-Y-T-O, and the other ones are called Hunky Dories, um, both delicious, uh, both I'm, I'm totally ready for them to come over, and then they have this one thing that's kind of like, it's kind of like a Funyun, it's called Mega Meanies, <laughs> like, which I guess is not any weirder than Funyuns, I don't know, but, um, you know, tried a lot of the snacks, um, I, you know, hopefully some of them make it over here, because I, I, I could, I could, I could eat a Mega Meanie again, it was pretty good. Yeah, always like the potato chip flavors like in Europe or like anywhere else are always so different. Um, like that's always like uh, like one of the things I notice. Um, Taylor, how about you? I'm going to start with a really good one. Um, Frosted Flakes with marshmallows. It, it exists, guys, and I have to tell you, if you like Frosted Flakes and you like Lucky Charms, it's the cereal for you. At this point, I should probably start a podcast around nostalgic cereal, but I'll move on. So Frosted Flakes with marshmallows, find it on your shelves, delish. Um, very different than everyone else's things. But you know what? No, because like CJ did like the Irish version of like Funyun, so I don't really feel so bad. Um, I did try, I haven't tried the Everything Hummus by Chris and the Ithaca team, but I did end up, I think I told you guys, I like the pickle, what's the pickle one? Grillo's, I like that yeah. one we did. And um Okay, um, so the team, like, so Stephen's Hawk House is, like, you know, kind of one of the most epic bars in the Hamptons area, and I guess the daughter of the founder of Talk House um, created uh, an RTD company, so she just sent me product today, it just came in, I think it's called, like, Talk House. Um, I don't know if there's yet exactly, like, what the, you know, the notable differentiators are. Uh, based on the flavors, it is, like, cranberry soda, tequila, you know, I don't know, like a Paloma and stuff like that. Um, I just thought it was like an interesting thing. She's like doing like kind of her own thing. Um, I guess leveraging the family name in some ways, but um, I just liked her story. I don't know. She like grew up in a dive bar, <laughs> like one of the most iconic dive bars on the East Coast and is launching a product. And so I'll, I'll report back on the, on the liquid, um, you know, and if there's anything like super unique about it, but I just really liked her story. Her name is Ruby and yeah, I'm excited to try it and give you some feedback. Awesome. Yeah. Looking forward back to that uh, report back. I know Taylor was excited about this episode because we were talking about her favorite product, which is Celsius. Uh, obviously big news this week with PepsiCo announcing a $550 million investment in Celsius. Um, I think this 
like kind of comes off the heels of like the contract that they recently like that they had with bang um like kind of expiring or, or something happened there i know first of all if, if anyone has not listened to the BevNet uh talk with the bang energy that is a like character and a half it's essentially like if like Trump had like a energy drink company, like is kind of like the only way I can like uh, wrap up like his personality. <laughs> it's like a very much like uh, like my pillow guy like uh, vibes, but he is like something else. But he definitely did not have like kind words about like Celsius and, and Pepsi. So it seemed like there was kind of like the writing on the wall a few a few months ago uh, with this. Um, but like this is obviously a huge announcement. Um, CJ, kind of what was your thoughts when you see something like this big happen? Um, you know, on the distribution and investment side. Uh, with one of these power brands and, and obviously like a big legacy brand like PepsiCo. Yeah, I mean, I, I think it's great for them and I don't think it's that surprising. Like I'll give folks some context around this. Like, you know, Celsius has been around a long time. They're kind, they're kind of like Tito's where it's like a 15 year overnight success. Like it's only, in the, you know, with Tito's, it was only like the last five years of Tito's that everybody in every bar was like, well, have you heard of Tito's? Um, and it's kind of similar for Celsius. Like in 2018, they did 52 million in top line. And then 2019, 75, 2020, they did 130. And then last year, they did 300 million plus in revenue. All right, so they're, they, they're not slowing down by any means. Um, and then like the other thing, you know, people look at it because it's publicly traded and they freak out about like, it's insanely high price to earnings. And I was kind of like, well, like that's only because they're publicly traded. Like the price to earnings of all these other competitors, like Lemon Perfect or or you know Liquid Death, is negative. Like Celsius is actually kicking off a little bit of earnings. Um, and the third thing that I think a lot of people don't realize is Pepsi got a pretty decent deal. Like the stock was in the '80s when Pepsi made their offer. And their per share price, their buy net is down at 75. The stocks run now even further. And, and, I, and I, I think that's appropriate because but essentially what Pepsi did is they bought 8.5% of the company, which today would be valued quite a bit more if you just look at the public float. Plus they have a 5% dividend. And now they're going to get, you know, essentially a look at what happens when they put Celsius into their distribution, which... My understanding of looking at some of the, you know, the publicly available information is like uh, maybe as much as like 30 or 40% of Celsius's revenue is Amazon at uh, 40 is high. Like we'll call it 20 to 30 is Amazon and Costco. Like that means that Pepsi putting them in, in all of these convenience channels is going to like materially change that business. So I think this is essentially Pepsi making a fair value deal for what they're good at to fill the, the bang spot that you talked about. And like what this is an example of is like deals will still get done in this environment if you have an asset that is growing, is exhibiting more fiscal responsibility than it has in the past um, and, and fits a hole in, in the major strategic portfolio. Like all three things are checked. Like this, I, I don't think this should come as a surprise to anyone. In fact, I, th I believe that it was leaking to some degree because the stock ran up from, you know, 40 to 88 from May to then, you know, before the Pepsi deal was announced. So I, you know, I, I think this is a perfectly normal example of, of a, a growing company getting a toehold, Pepsi getting a toehold in a growing company. So I, good deal. I, I wish, I wish I was in it. Would love to, would love to see it. 
Taylor, what was uh, your feelings about this as a, an advocate and then just uh, a follower in the space? Now they have budget to bring me in. That's all <laughs> I thought is now I don't need to keep pitching myself on LinkedIn to the president and engaging with every single post that he does. I'm hoping now they know my commitment to the business pre-deal and they'll bring me on as a consultant. And You're on the record. I will be paid, and I'll be paid in Celsius, ideally in stock but I would take Celsius. Um, I don't really have much to add. I mean, obviously, yes, I think everyone knows like I'm a big fan of the brands. Um, I, I, I agree with everything CJ said. I think it sounds like based on what I read, again, I'm not as much on the day-to-day in terms of that deal. Like I think you guys have, I think CJ has a much kind of broader perspective and understanding of it. But I mean, at a high glance, based on what I saw too, like I believe Coke has Monster. Um, am I right with that? That's right, right? Um, yeah. Okay. And um, it sounded like that was a kind of a white space for the company now and they were able to fill it. And so like from a deal perspective, it sounds like it makes a lot of sense to CJ's point. Um, I agree. I buy just as a consumer personally, I do buy Celsius um, primarily online. Um, They do offer like, you know, 24 packs or whatever. And I'm assuming they have a pretty loyal, dedicated following like myself, Uh, people that, that just reorder, honestly. And I agree. Like, I think as soon as they have someone like Pepsi, who can take that to new heights and, and increase that general, you know, visibility of the product, literally and metaphorically, like I think sky's kind of the limit for the company. Um, and, you know, for me, like what's always been kind of the differentiator is just the, is the flavors and the profiles. I just think they're just really, really good. And um, especially for someone like me, that's not a huge coffee fan. It just is a nice caffeine alternative that has like, it's just really good flavoring. And so anyway, I, I don't know, I'm really excited to have a bit more, available through that partnership and and as cj said i think it just from a deal perspective it seems like it made sense for all and yeah i'm excited to be able to find it in more places and call me anytime john fielding i am available (laughs) Um, (laughs) cj do you do you think like um with i know that they purchased rockstar back in 2020 do you think this is an indication of like they just want to grow like to have a full offering in a product set like under this energy space or is it like they want celsius to essentially kind of overplace like rockstar are those two going to work together i don't i I mean i I think they're just understanding that a portfolio approach is appropriate in a category that's still growing like eight or nine percent a year which like far outstrips any of the other carbonated soda products um so i mean i like when they you know people went to the same question like oh well, when, when they distributed bang you know it was like well was that going to take over rockstar I, mean, I, I think i think rockstar is a you know s- you know serious deficit to monster something like celsius is obviously breaking through to, to consumers like taylor for a variety of reasons and working on a variety of trends that that I don't think Rockstar's gonna be able to just go chase. So I, I think it's just them understanding they need to put together a portfolio. And they're, you know, they've got such good distributions. The same reason, like, I'm, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm trying to schedule some calls with their, the folks that are running their alcohol push because, and like Coke seems to be very much wanting to make products. Pepsi wants to move into distribution of Bevalk. And I think that's fascinating. And I, they seem to be doing some smart stuff. So call me. Pepsi. Good. This is this is just an episode of us reaching We're out. Just pinching ourselves. <laughs> yeah. This is just straight up. Just what's next? I mean, you, CJ, you want to talk about Patagonia best or anything? Like, what's next on <laughs> well, that? No, hey, this this is Carhartt, all right. So you know, <laughs> I, I, 
He's not. He's not Excuse that me. deep into the VC. Yeah, Excuse me. I'm sorry. I just assumed. I made For an his, assumption. His Allbirds yeah. on and yeah. everything else like that as well. Allbirds. Allbirds are not designed for large feet. Like it's not <laughs> like Shrek. Like why? Like because like it's just not. It doesn't work. It doesn't. Allbirds look cool on normal people's feet. That and even that's up for debate. Um, yeah. Awesome. So let's go into the next thing. Um, I think I saw this on a few people's Twitter threads and thought it was pretty funny. Um, I didn't understand it at first. And then as I dug deep, I thought it was a great kind of marketing ploy. Uh, but Tito's Vodka basically kind of came out and spoofed hard seltzer. Uh, I think a lot of people have been waiting for like, when is Tito's going to release their ready to drink option? Uh, kind of like a sparkling uh, vodka beverage or seltzer of their own. And they kind of retaliated by releasing this uh, limited edition, like empty can. Uh, it's basically a 16 ounce reusable steel can that they're selling for $20 online. And it's basically so, hey, you can take your Tito's that you buy uh, like in the normal format and you can make whatever ready to drink cocktail that you want. Um, <laughs> so I thought it was kind of a, a great response to the market. I'm sure they actually sold a ton. Uh, it'd be fun to like see what the numbers are on this. Um, but yeah, I just thought it was a really great way to kind of approach it, get some buzz. And like the can is like, if you're, I mean, I know so many people that, you know, Tito's is kind of on their bar court, bar cart, or like Tito's is like their main beverage of choice when they go out. So I could see a lot of people like that who love the brand, um, also approach this as like as collectible or, uh, you know, how some people view an NFT for brands that they love so much. So Taylor kind of love your thoughts on like the, this marketing, um, ploy and, and kind of um how you think uh how you think consumers will respond and how you responded to it okay i'm kind of i have some mixed thoughts around it like if you recall my thoughts around that velveta like the grape coupon ice cream i'll revert back to my thoughts then which is the same with this which is like i feel like these teams internally sometimes are kind of just like what else can we do bob like we have nothing to do today like i i get it i think it was funny Ha 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 ha. Understood. I think it's better that they did this than actually launch an RTD because I have pretty high respect for Tito's. I think they have the trifecta of like good enough, good enough price point, good enough liquid and like made in America and they love dogs. So actually they check four boxes for me. Um, but if they did actually go into an RTD, I'd start rolling my eyes and be like, not them. So I like the fact that they leveraged kind of this anticipation in the space to do something that obviously is a limited time. It's kind of more on the Frankie side. Do I actually think people are going to start bringing this no matter how many years I've had or anyone's had Tito's on their back bar? Not, not, I mean, not long-term. I mean, like I see it being something where Cam, you swing by my apartment. I make you a drink. I'm like, Oh, I have no other can or glass for you. Like here's a funny Tito's can. I don't see this like taking off in some like sustainable format where people are like, I believe in the environment. I'm going to bring my Tito's can and make my own drink. But I do think from a, like a corporate comms perspective, the way that they reacted and kind of did a tongue in cheek response. And while still not creating something that like probably isn't really fit for their brand, um, they still like took that moment in time to leverage. I always say like those cultural heat moments. Right. And so I think it was really well done. I don't foresee people like actually using this thing after like next week unless by accident, but I thought it was a good, it was a good marketing tactic. Yeah. I liked it. Nice. Uh, yeah, I know. I agree. I don't know if it's going to stick past like the, the weekly news cycle. 
Uh, but I think it was uh, it was definitely um, worthwhile, and I'm sure they saw a little lift this week from it. CJ, what were your thoughts on it? I mean, I, I in a world where there's probably not a single like there's not a single either non-alcoholic or vodka brand not having a meeting somewhere about do we go into an RTD? Like Tito's is the one who's like, no, we sell like almost ten billion dollars of vodka billion dollars of vodka every year and we do it with six skews like they were not going to do it ever so i like this like i'm kind of in the middle between taylor and and cam like like ball the the the, you know, the can making company is putting a tremendous amount of money trying to you know switch you know, you know stadium cups from plastic to aluminum um and stuff like that so i could actually see tito's if they if, if they really wanted to make something of this like the, you know, rather than yet another bar mat or yet another, um, you know, yet another coaster program that all ends up in the trash anyways, I could actually see them do a pretty big push around the on-premise with this and, and, and couple it with, you know, some, some deal lines and some promotions around like Tito's Vodka Soda. Um, I, you know, so I, I think they, they, you know, if this continues to have more than a, one week blip. I think I think they could go out and, and program against it to the distributors into the bars if they wanted to. But in the end, like all this is a reminder of the fact that Tito's is an absolute you know eight hundred pound gorilla, and they're never going to change because they only sell six sizes. Yeah, I mean, like into like what's the like getting into a competitive space of like the ready to drink like cocktail section it's like what is like the actual incremental like increase in business going to be in that versus just like continuing to execute and what they're already good at yeah. i mean it'd be interesting to, to kind of see what those conversations were to lead them to be like no not only is it not worth it for us to do it but like you know let's let's start to mock it and like really I'm, bring the focus I'm, back to this focus is kind of the key word like i don't <laughs> I saw, I'm sure a lot of people saw this. I saw a really interesting interview with John, a clip like where Johnny I from Apple was like talking about to, to Steve Jobs about focus and like focus isn't like things that are easy to say no to. Like, I, I, I think most of us would agree that like if Tito's did put out a vodka soda, I bet a lot of people would buy it. Like, like I, I, I bet it would be pretty successful almost instantly. So them having such a commitment to like their brand's positioning and simplicity that they're willing to make fun of it. Like that is actual focus. And that is, that is like, you know, you know, sacrificing a true immediate term, large revenue opportunity. Cause don't, if people are buying simply lemonade and vodka, you can't tell me that Tito's couldn't sell a vodka soda. Um, and, 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 you know, like right. and they're, they're giving that up to say, no, that's not on brand for us. Um, and in fact, we're going to, we're going to make fun of all the people that do. Yeah, no, I, uh, I love it in the short term. I think it's like, what's the ROI going to be in the long term, and like, will it actually stick? I just, I don't actually think they care if it sticks. Oh, yeah. right? like, <laughs> like I don't think they do either. Yeah. I don't think they care. And I agree with CJ. Sorry, just to jump in. If they were to actually do it, it's funny because like they, to his point, like they would be the ones to do it in my mind, like best, right? <laughs> like, why wouldn't they do it? But don't fix what's not broken so um yeah i don't even think they care i think this was just fun but yeah an actual vodka soda that they created i think would go pretty far if they were to do it yeah. 
hundred percent agree. Um, and, and so let's let, again, like this is our last topic for today. We're, we're rapid firing uh, kind of topics today uh, since we're on a little bit of an abbreviated schedule this week, but going from vodka soda to wine soda, um, known innovator Woodbridge, which is obviously owned by Robert Mondavi, uh, kind of like the like classic and not to like come off like a wine snob, but like kind of like that classic, like go-to wine you'll see on like a lot of like people bring um, a big wine brand, right? Huge wine brand um, is now getting into wine soda. Uh, so they released uh, these new varietals. That's basically like orange wine soda, lemon lime wine soda, and grapefruit wine soda. It's a, what they describe as a mashup of soda and white wine. Uh, it's basically natural flavors colored with vegetable juice, which I thought was kind of interesting. Um, I mean, it's a big no for me. I couldn't even imagine uh, <laughs> wanting to try this. Uh, I think it's like, you know, it, it reminds me uh, very much of the day, like of like the wine spritzers, kind of like the OG, like late 90s, early 2000s. Uh, I can't even like Bartles and James is kind of what I'm thinking here. Um, like, I don't know if it's like an innovation as much as like a callback to like what used to be popular, um, but it's not really like branding it kind of like that nostalgic, like late 90s, like wine spritzer. It's more of like trying to be, a seltzer for like millennial or Gen Zers, which I don't know if, if that was the right route for this product. Um, Taylor, what was your thoughts just by the the, the word wine soda? Uh, and then kind of after like seeing the product, uh, is this going to be something you're trying? Where do you think like this fits in the space? And are we just kind of getting into like saturation in the ready to drink market? And, and this is just a larger company, again, taking a different approach, right? Tito's large company does really well with their bread and butter. They're going to stick to that. Woodbridge owned by Robert Mondavi, huge company. Now they're interjecting into this space um, and labeling it as, as wine soda. Yeah, I mean, I put it up on Twitter, like, right away. I think I saw Shankin do, like, an exclusive. They tried to post, like, as soon as I saw it, I was like, and, you know, a lot of the feedback, like a lot of big writers, like John Bone, who I think he's the main writer for Resi and like Philadelphia Inquirer, main writer for like the drinks and food. They're like, so it's a spritzer, right? Like, am I, I they just retweeted. I didn't give any two cents. I kind of just said, like, what do you guys think? Um, you know, this is another like reason I get so fired up about what I'm doing. I come from, you know, big corporate wine and spirits and I still like love a lot of what I've done and, and a lot of the brand people that are still involved and everything like that. But like this to me was like a prime example of like, I actually feel like a lot of the stuff that we all do here and a lot of the startup community and like a lot of what CJ invests in and Cam, the brands you work with and the brands I work with, like, I'm not trying to like whatever cause some big divide, but I feel like there is a lot more like day-to-day -day innovation happening with small brands. And like, just because they come in and say like, we're first marketed, we're innovating. It's like, just cause you say it doesn't like actually in reality mean that like you've developed something new. Like you can say that, but like, is it actually innovative is one, two, like, are you really creating something new? And three, like, is it necessary? And um, for me, I, I just kind of looked at that news. Like this is another example of kind of on the bigger corporate side, just like them stamping something saying that it's new and it's innovative and it's first to market because they can. Um, when in reality, like, I don't know if they actually did anything brand new and no to answer your question i'm not going to try it it's not my thing um i also my husband's from germany i think you guys a lot of people know that but anyway um there's this thing called like a Char a Charla, Charla, which is just um white wine and seltzer and it's fresh and you make it yourself and that to me seems light and low abv and great but at the same time like i don't know if i would buy some like wine soda in a can that also has like flavorings and stuff so 
for a lot of reasons, I don't think I'm going to try it. Um, but also like looking at it from like a messaging perspective, I think them just saying like, this is a big, and like Schenken doing some big like exclusive, which is a big trade publication in the beverage space. It's another example of like, is this real innovation or is this just kind of some of the bigger conglomerates just saying it is? And that's that. Uh, when I think there's a lot more cool innovation actually happening. Uh, we broke out a little, uh, broke up a little bit there towards the end, Taylor. Um, I'm going to kick it over um, to CJ really quick uh, just to get his thoughts on the revolution that is wine soda. So I'm kind of torn here, right? Because like I have seen the research, it was in Gallo, in innovation, and I have seen reams and reams and reams of stuff that would allow you to convince yourself that consumers want this. Um, you know, they they launched, I can't remember the name of it, I used to call it breakfast wine, but it was, it was, you know, slightly lower ABV effervescent wine in a bottle and then Barefoot launched, you know, wine, you know, spritzers that were essentially seltzer. And, you know, to your point, a, a, like a very popular drink is white wine and, and soda water with some, you know, some other fruit or some juice in it. Like the, the consumer has a desire for this. Um, and, and maybe against all odds, this will actually work, but like, th this is kind of all you can do as, as corporate innovation. Like, like, you know, when you look at, at something like, like, like a high noon, for example, like other people were canning vodka sodas before high noon did, um, they just didn't get a bunch of other elements, right. With the positioning and have the ability to push out, you know, a, a massive marketing program. So like, I, I. I both understand why they did this, but then also can look at the overall Woodbud brand and, and 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 the and the position and just be like, oh, honey, no, like this isn't gonna work. Like, um, it's it's just not gonna pull through. So I'll I'll you know I'll reserve I'll reserve you know judgment before I try it because I know a lot of the constellation innovation folks and 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 so you know, we'll definitely give the product a try. But I I suspect that that this is going to have a, a tough time, but you know, what's, what's was old is new again. Like people don't, you know, Bartles and James was a huge brand. It was huge. And then it went away for a long time. And then it basically became white claw. And then people made fun of white claw for a long time until it became one of the biggest brands out there. And then, and then it worked in, in, in high noon. And now they've got like 50% market share. So that's why it's worth it for them to try. Yeah, I was actually like uh, looking up the Barles and James like new rebrand, and it's actually pretty good. <laughs> it's yeah. it's a strong rebrand. I know, it's like, I, I know the guy who did it, and it's just kind of like, well, it's never going to work. Like, like it's you know, I don't think you can redo brands like that. But um, it's not no, bad. I think you're almost good like going deeper into like that late 90s nostalgia and just like owning it versus like trying to refresh a brand like that sometimes yeah. um but yeah like the people i always feel bad for in these situations is like a lot of people look at a nestle or a unilever and they're just like they have everything like they're like it's a whole team and it's like a lot of times like i talk to these brand managers and it's like they're having the same conversations internally that like a startup founder would have because like they're tasked with like making sure that this brand succeeds in the market and like i can just imagine like the brand kind of manager here being like hey listen like ready drinks huge everything in the data is proving out that this should work 
and then they release it and like it's it's going to be slightly tougher sledding than they assumed and like it's this like that brand manager's role inside the company uh is definitely tasked with an uphill battle with such a saturated uh and competitive space but um yeah the, th the thing i'd almost be interested here is like you know again i don't have access to the immediate woodbridge data but I'm going to go ahead and guess that Woodbridge skews a little older. And so, like, you know, one of the, like, you know, it's, this is, it's not not thought through. Like, they went a little bit higher ABV, which is, you know, exactly what you'd expect from you know, taking a bottle of wine and essentially cutting the ABV in, in half by, by adding water. So, like, there's at least some place for this in the market where it's higher ABV than White Claw and High Noon. Um, so it might be going after demographic that only wants one or two drinks. I, I, I don't automatically look at this package and say, aha, I see how they are targeting, you know, a 45 plus demographic. But, you know, so I, I, what I'm saying is I'm not willing to completely write it off. It probably won't work. But if it does, you know, because, because of who Constellation is, it's not like they couldn't push this onto shelf. Like, really what it all comes down to is, is you know, is Constellation savvy enough to only test it in a couple of demographics and can they kill it fast? Like, like what, what the, the major, the major suppliers like beverage alcohol or otherwise, like they're never going to get as good at startups as building something like you just can't, that's, that's pure, like, like, you know, pure Gaussian distribution of ideas. So they need to get better at killing things because they, they have really, really good sales forces behind this. Like, so it's, to me, it's always counterintuitive. They think they need to get more creative. They don't need to get more creative because they're never going to outthink 20,000 startups. They need to get better at killing stuff. So go ahead and try it. Try everything, but just get good at killing. Yeah. Don't let our coastal elite bias deter you from trying wine soda because uh, like we might definitely not be the uh, the demographic <laughs> for this type of product but they're like again like their data probably supports that uh like the woodbridge buyer who's looking for that higher abv products um that dabbles in, in white claw or something like that like this might be right up their alley it's just like are they going to get it onto the market quick enough and like you said if it's a dud like are they going to kill it fast enough to to understand that awesome um well that's it for us this week again like really tight quick episode uh we'll be back next week with like our our, our normal longer format episode uh we have a really great guest which i'm excited to announce next week um and yeah uh appreciate cj taylor cj go get some sleep and 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 kick that uh, uh the jet lag and, and taylor thanks so much for joining us as always <laughs>